everybody. Welcome to the 98th episode of MathCast. I'm your host, Christian. And I'm your co-host, Levi. And today we are joined by our very special guest, Jack Tickner of Basil's Kite. Jack, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure to be on here talking math core with two of the best in the biz. <laughs> oh, thanks, Judy. <laughs> uh, Jack, uh, we we're want... the best. You hear that? Yeah, I heard that. I heard Jack that. said it. That was so good. <laughs> uh, Jack, Jack, Jack. No, uh, but uh, we want to thank you because uh, uh, Jack's time, it is 8.30 in the morning. Uh, right. It is uh, 3.20 p.m. our time. So, Jack, uh, thanks for doing that. Suffice to say, the basil's kite it catches the worm. Can I have a talk that's with you? It's a, a very early kite. <laughs> early kite catches the worm, as they say. Love that. Really upset with I do you. too. Yep. It's a classic. I had to dust off an old gym there. Um, all right. Yeah. Um, so uh, we got some uh, some rad bands to talk about. We do, as, as per usual. Um, so that being said, before we get started, though, just a quick reminder to please check out our Patreon if you want to get some cool benefits, access to our Discord and Livecast. Also... Uh, going to be announcing Math Core Index Fest 2023 soon. It's going to be in July in New York City, and I can't wait to officially reveal the lineup for you. So the first band we're going to talk about is Squid Pisser. And Squid Pisser are a noisecore duo from Los Angeles featuring Tommy Meehan of Def Club on vocals and guitar and Seth Carolina of Starcrawler on drums. And they just dropped their new album, My Tadpole Legion, on April 15th via 3-1-G Records, right? Yep. Well, I mean, so it, it, it's, it seems like it's like also maybe like self-released or something like that, like collaborative. I'm not really sure exactly what's going on, but it is 3-1-G. In, in terms of being like a collaboration-focused project, I would readily compare this to the HERS Collective record that we talked about last episode, especially considering it just it features a host of guest appearances, including Joey Karam of The Locust, as well as Yakko from Melt Banana. So it's it's like it's yeah. like almost the same like presentation and like members, you know, to have two like col- like two collaborative albums come out consecutively in the kind of the same genre and everything as well. And then also have melt banana on there twice that's just absurd it, it's uh kind of repeating itself at that point the stars aligning the there for there. fans of 31g type shit yep it's and even that alone like i feel the the sound of this is pure 31g you know really truly for sure that that southern california sound is really really strong here the, the zaniness like if you enjoy like the zany aspect of this kind of music i think this is like the the top of the line basically yep what do you think, Jack? Hundred percent. I uh, I was so excited when this album was playing through, and um, I wasn't really looking at the tracks or who was on there. And then I heard Yako from um, Melt Banana, and I was like, "Yep, that's pretty distinctive." Yeah, uh, you, you immediately know who it is. You can't miss her. <laughs> you definitely can't yeah. miss that voice. Uh, yeah. yeah, pretty unmistakable in, ter- in terms of yeah, yeah. It's, Christian, it's and I funny. Both we, like a... Go ahead. Please. Oh, so I was just going to say, it's funny. We were, um, Basil's Kite, we recently toured around Newcastle, just north of Sydney, um, with a Japanese band called Buddha, Buddha Dada. Mm-hmm. And um, we were chatting about like Japanese, because they're, they're a punk band. We're chatting about Japanese punk bands. And I was like, oh, look, we, we love Melt Banana. And they're like, excuse me? We're like, Melt Banana? They're like, Nope, and I'm like, shut like, up. This is like one of your biggest exports, and you don't know it. And then I showed them a photo of Milk Banana, and they all go, Ah, 
Melt the banana. Melt the banana. <laughs> Melt the oh, banana. okay. I was like, like please tell me, Jack, that they the know. Okay. Amazing. And it turns That's out so we were just pronouncing it in um, really horrendous Australian English. But yeah, m- m- melt the banana. Yeah. That's so funny. I'm so glad that everybody knows who, who, who Melt Banana is. At one point, I thought this thing was going to mm. be like, and they didn't know who Melt Banana is. So, meh. No. I think, I think my pronunciation was kind of weirdly Italian just then, but... The way they showed me was uh, the, more, the more the Japanese pronunciation. Hey, milk banana, I'm yeah, walking banana. Here. Banana. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. nailing it, Jack. You got this. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, man. That was a good tangent. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah. but, but uh, overall, I... Squid I, pisser. Squid, yeah, squid pisser. <laughs> I, I legit forgot what we were talking about for a second. <laughs> uh, I, I really enjoyed this album. I, I would say... If it's really good. If yeah. we're going to compare I'm, the two like collaborative albums, I'm going to take the Hers Collective all day. I'm just going to say that right now. Okay. This is I appreciate this, that. This is very standoutish, but if, I mean, it's so crazy that it's just consecutively we had two like concept albums in a way. Almost. I'm on the other side. I, I appreciate more the angle stylistically that that Squid Pisser is bringing. I feel like it's just a bit more on the I don't know aggressive side, and I, I really appreciate the the theatrics specifically and like the the lore that seems to be behind what they're doing. Like it really, those aspects really draw me in. Okay. I'll give you that. Thank you. I like that too. I think that was, and and, and I sit squarely in the middle and everything (laughs) is balanced. (laughs) I haven't, I haven't heard this previous release. You were, you guys are talking about what, what, what's it called? The hers. The hers. I'm sorry. I I keep mispronouncing it. It's the here's collective. H R I S. Yeah. The here's collective, which is like a Neo pronoun, I believe. Mm -hmm. And ultimately same idea. It's, it's a said band and then bring in one to two artists per song. And it's the whole album is that boom, boom, featuring this boom, boom, featuring this Mm -hmm. boom, boom, featuring that, you know, because they're, they're a two piece and they don't have a live drummer. So it's interesting to see them perform this stuff live. Yeah, I was actually wondering about that. I haven't looked up any videos of it, but ha- do they do they sort of play to a backing track or? No, they they do play live though, and I'm assuming I didn't watch the whole set, admittedly, but I'm guessing that he does the the parts that Tommy does the the, the vocal parts that are missing from the guest. I'm live. guessing Yucko or something like that. They might fill fill that one in, but I mean, um, I feel like uh, so a lot of these names I'm not actually quite familiar with just by their names themselves. So I'm guessing a lot of these might be like. At SoCal local kind of people that might be available, you know. Well, they sort of like keep it mysterious for you by not telling you what their pedigree is. In other words, like what band they're coming from. In most exactly, of them. Just you know, band. Joey Karam and Yako. If you're an aficionado of this kind of shit, but like the in terms of like guest performances, I feel like you really got to get it to Nikki Cologne of Necrogoblicon, who just truly delivers a staggeringly verbose and breathless guest feature on the Everlasting Bloat. Oh, that's a good one. Like that, the almost rapping like cadence to that last verse that closes out the track is just like the perfect level of obnoxious, in my opinion. The mix, the mix of highs and lows in that track specifically got fucking grabbed me by the boo boo. I was, yeah. I was down with that one. Yeah, that that song is is t- is top notch. I think that's probably my favorite track. Although I, I did really enjoy just like the the opening liquefied remains, which is the only track that doesn't have a guest feature. By the way, also my tadpole with Yucca. Well, naturally, but if I'm going to be honest, I don't. I would not take her vocal styling all day. Not all day, but for this track, we can. Yeah. Uh, overall, though, um, I really enjoyed this fucking album. Though, uh, uh, 
uh, I guess in general, just kind of a grindy almost kind of album in a way. Like, what would you call it's this? It's quite the amalgamation. I mean, there's elements of mathcore. There's clearly elements of hardcore punk. There's elements of, of power violence, especially that um, Fuck Your Preacher track. The, the the guest feature on that track really sort of reinforces the power violence influence that, is such that comes through. such a punk rock fucking track right there. It really is. Cut coming through at 33 seconds long. Blistering 33 seconds at the end. Yep. Fuck a preacher. <laughs> EG power violence. Yeah. Amazing, dude. Yeah, that's a banger of a track, too. Honestly, a little short, but it's got a good music. I mean, they released music video after music video for this album cycle, too, which I really appreciate. And yeah, just sort of reinforcing the whole the whole theatrics behind what they do. Especially the, the feature music video with Nikki Kellone from Necro, Necroglobicon. Yep, <clears throat> which I for some reason once, cannot say right now. Once again, that one had the most like vocal uh, styling, just like all over the range and everything. I really enjoyed that track. Yeah, it's so fun. Such a fun. Yeah. This whole album Such is a fucking great performance. Fun. Truly, yeah. <clears throat> I wish it was a bit longer. I will say it. It felt a little on the short side, what? especially considering this Squid Pisser album is only eighteen minutes long. It's, it's digestible. It's very nice and easy, Christian. <laughs> Levi's a, uh, a proponent of shorter albums, but yeah, I Short myself, I, I like a bit more substance personally. Yeah, it, it felt a little on the short side, and then I felt a bit cheated by the last track just being a, sort of a DJ remix, if you will. I felt like that was a really weak way to end the album. Like I really, I wanted like more of like a, I don't know. I don't really expect like sort of a catharsis from a band called Squid Pisser, but like a bit more of like a ripper or a little more energy or actual instrumentals coming through on the last track would have been good. Oh, like I was saying earlier, if this track's going to be anywhere, I'm glad it's at the fucking dead end though. Right. It just wasted real estate on such a short LP is my point. But nonetheless, I mean, other than that, that's like a very small complaint because all like the tracks themselves go fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love this record. It's. I think the the guys in um the guys in Basel's. We all love this record. We listened to it a lot when we were driving around. It's it's great. Just kind of immediately took us. I think as well, calling your band Squid Pisser kind of makes makes people more likely to click on your stuff. I don't know. Yep. It's a it's a very smart choice. So do you uh do you have a favorite track? It's most definitely the everlasting bloat. Yeah, uh, love That's that same. track. I, I gotta Great agree with you, but I feel like we gotta yeah. give him Killer. liquefied remains. You do this sometimes, but because liquefied remains is the only track that actually has like Tommy doing all the vocals. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that's more of like a pure representation of. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yep, I respect that. Yep. Mm. Yeah, and it, it is a good track, and it would be interesting to hear a full album of just just those two with no um no guests. Yeah, that, I I kind of would appreciate that. I mean, I I do as much as I love like guest features. Like, I want to hear, I want more like purely squid pisser lore. But maybe that's just kind of like their whole thing. It's just definitely building a little bit of lore there. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and play for you, Liquefied Remains, which is track one from My Tadpole Legion, which is Squid Pisser's new album that came out on April fifteenth. Here we go. <laughs>
Alright, so that was Liquefied Remains, which is track one from Squid Pisser's new album, My Tadpole Legion, and that came out back on the 15th. And yet, just, we were talking sort of during the break there. I just wanted to say, Jack, I really enjoy your podcast as well, if you wanted to plug that very quickly. What's it called? It's called Music Rules with Fen and Jack. And it's basically myself and another musician from Sydney. And we talk about music with a little bit of an analytical edge to it. Um, <laughs> a little bit is an understatement. From a music student, I was like, damn, I am, I feel uh, inept listening to this conversation. But really, I, I got a lot from it, though. Oh, ho- yeah, hopefully not, not too much because it's sort of like, I don't know, it's, just, it's, just, it's meant to be kind of celebratory of the nerd stuff. No um, man, it was it was great. I, I really appreciated uh, the uh, the intellectual uh, edge that you you guys brought to that. Like, yeah, really really interesting and insightful. But yeah, if if you liked the new Basil's record, we do an episode where we talk about three tracks and some rhythmic concepts we used on there. And yeah, check it out. Yeah, any any listener of this podcast would surely appreciate specifically that episode at the very least, where they talk about Basil's kite uh, Basil's kite's new record, Shooting Stars which we yeah. talked about. And, and, and the next one ago. we're doing is the new terms record. Um, oh, perfect yeah. fodder for you guys in, in a number of ways. And then one of those ways yeah. I will not elaborate upon. Cut that, <laughs> cut, that, cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that, cut <laughs> that. <laughs> Appreciate the subtlety. So next we're going to talk about Vile Driver. And Vile Driver are a tech deck, tech death. <laughs> I always want to say tech deck. Tech, tech deck. deck. <laughs> 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 All right. For some reason right now, especially maybe because it's I've, I've had a couple, but so they're a, a tech death outfit from Ontario, Canada, featuring guitarist Chris Sokolowski and uh, drummer Aaron Poser of starring Janet Leigh, formerly thereof. Fuck. Yes. So I, I had to just quickly touch on starring Janet Leigh. If you're not Please. familiar there, you just fill them in. I'm not going to say anything. Just, just, yeah. Essentially just a very super revered project it's like one of those bands that just released like one god tier album and then called it quits and that, that that album is spectrum from 2009 it's basically a master class in math core and if you're right. not fr- what, what's what's the, what was the name of the band sorry the album spectrum the band is starring janet lay holy shit jack you're welcome and if i'm not mistaken starring or janet lay is a uh Hitchcock actress prominently featured in Hitchcock, I, Hitchcock films. Yeah, Jack, go back to all like the. Uh, this is like an earlier uh, uh, tech band that actually like made music videos like by them like DIY shit. So like YouTube them and stuff. It's pretty. Yeah, they were not super well known. You and I. This is like one of the bands that wow. you and I bonded on when we met. So Janet Leigh was an American actress, act fucking a, American actor who starred in Psycho and Little Women, Angels in the Outfield, and The Manchurian Candidate, a number of other things. And uh, that was their, their namesake. But yeah, super good album. So they just released their second album, which is called The Rest Are Prey. And it's their first album in six years. And I wasn't super crazy about that last album, but this one was really hitting the spot for me. It's not really like as mathcore driven as starring Janet Leigh was, but... It's more tech death, for it's, sure. It's definitely more tech death leaning, for sure. But, like, all the technical prowess is there. All the impressive songwriting is still there. And it's definitely going to appeal to fans of, of that band. So, again, just a bit more tech death leaning. But, like, there's I think there's enough crossover appeal to our, you know, our mathcore fans, for sure. Like, I kind of felt like the vocals sometimes were reminding me of, like, Greg from Dillinger at times. Did you get that at all or not? I actually got like, a lot of... I actually got a lot of 
Trevor Strahd of the Black Dahlia Murder. Rest and in what peace. He's doing. Rest in peace. Um, yeah, I had I had listened to this album just this morning, and yeah, it's probably more of the like tech death kind of discipline, I guess. But yeah, it's great. It's really cool. I um I was trying to see what they put out as singles for this record. Do you guys know which one was with a single? They had like no promo cycle, curiously enough, for this. There was like very they just kind of dumped right. the record out. Very little promotion, and then it didn't go up on Spotify. And I'm not saying that that's like a necessarily a crucial thing, but in this day and age, let's be honest, if your album isn't on Spotify on release day like you're missing out on a lot man you're you're missing out potentially on some on some uh, some listens there and some potential visibility that you could have you could have gained mm-hmm. but it, it's on spotify now um and i'm not saying that's the beat all end all but certainly one of the platforms that potentially garner garner you some attention so so yeah, it is on Spotify now. Either way, yeah, definitely more in the tech death leaning realm. But man, what can I say? Like, it this is tech death done properly. Like, this is what tech death properly mm. can be like. Every part is just broken up so nicely, and there's just so much variation in their compositions. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of hard to pick apart like what is like not good about it, or like what I, I can't really like add any like intelligent critiques other than it just being over-the-top technical, and obviously that's not something that we are opposed to here. Yeah, I, I really don't have much to critique <laughs> <Clearly> about. <not. laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I, I did notice the vocals definitely are, are pretty versatile, though. Like, it, it ranges from that kind of, like, mid sort of range to that very, like, Trevor of the Black Dahlia Murder Scaliness. type high. Yep. Yeah, like yep. almost like black metal, like... Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Very, very high highs. I also really like the jazzy inclusions too. I feel like that's sort of an underrated aspect of of uh, what Chris does as a player. He really just brings those jazz breaks super good, like on Sold Short. Uh, really, really nice, like exemplary MySpace era kind of uh, jazz break, if you will. Impromptu yeah, jazz there, yep. Also, the opening of Oil Under the Bridge has sort of a, a sort of a jazzy kind of spooky vibe to it as well. That was my favorite track. I don't want to say it's it's jazz because it's not, but it's like jazz e. E. No, I, I support that. I support that. <laughs> Using that term very very carefully because if you you speak to any jazz aficionado about what we would characterize as jazzy, they'll be like, nah, there's no. Oh, but but they're so fun to offend. I love to. Offend <laughs> <you>. <laughs> it's like oh, oh did, did that really? Annoy they're you like oh bro, you're... I'm so sorry. I... You're like bro heard a modulation for the first time. And he thinks it's jazz. <laughs> yeah. Levi, you yeah. don't get that. No, no I don't. I was like, I, I laughed and I didn't even get it. Do you, you understand? It's a jazz joke. Yeah, that's good. It's a, just just jazz guy. Thing. It's about the, the notes you don't play. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. That's mod- the, uh, yeah. For our listeners, a modulation is basically where you just like take a shape and you just like fucking move it to a different pitch to really dumb it down. Yeah, you, you just just change key. Like uh, like you guys, you guys have Eurovision. No. In, in the states, is that a bit of a thing? No, I guess you're not really European. No, we're not European. Yeah, like like every single Eurovision song has a million key changes, or every musical or whatever. Beyonce, up and up and up. put my love on top has modulation after mm-hmm. modulation, like giant steps. Yep, right. Continuously modulating. Yeah. I, I I love the characterization that you made about um having like a like a jazz breakdown in the middle of like a metal song. It's MySpace core. Yeah. As like a MySpace genre thing, because it always makes me think of uh, I wrestled a bear once. You yes. goddamn right, one hundred percent. Yeah, I which I, I I love I wrestled a bear once. They uh yeah Same. extremely fun band. Very fun. Extremely I fun. they Bethel's they, Kite honestly and 
I wrestled a bear once sort of have that same kind of energy behind what they're doing, the humor, you know? Their 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 releases did yeah. age properly. They really pumped out some really and even like towards the end, like where I didn't give as much attention, like there's some solid fucking There are so many people who would disagree I, with that I, remark. Hail Mary but, is a fantastic album. I think so too. Honestly, Kristen or not Kristen, I'm sorry, what's her name from Spirit Box? Whoever replaced Kristen, that she's good. Courtney LaPlante. Yeah. Courtney LaPlante. Thank you. Sorry. Nice. I'm like, what's her face? <laughs> Yeah, Hail Mary is kind of underrated. Um, honestly, at least Courtney could like carry a tune. Like Kristen did not have like any sort of clearly no classical training whatsoever, and was really had a bad ear when it came to like the melodic segments. I think that was where they severely lacked. But it had some nasty vocals. Oh, her vocal, her like her dirty vox, if you so will. Nasty. Were, yeah. <laughs> so nasty. Yeah. So nasty. So good. She cut the mic a lot, but like, who's who's complaining? It's two thousand nine. You know, like. We all did it. We all did right. it. We got off on a tangent on I wrestled a bear once there, but yeah, great, great band. Honestly, not talked about enough as much as like people still jam that shit all the time. I'm sure. So yeah, Bile Driver, not I wrestled a bear once. Completely different bands, and um, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying this album quite a bit. But yet, what I was sort of getting at before we lost connection there was that I found it a bit curious to name three different tracks intro (laughs) intro one intro two intro three like i'm assuming that they named them that as they were sort of like the segues into the following tracks but yeah um they, they could have named them something else or sort of like worked them into the song itself so in terms of like favorite god 100% 100% Scum Sucker fucking goes really hard. Um, yeah, Scum Sucker was great, man. That It's really hard to like come up with a, an earwig riff, if you will, but <laughs> in, like, in a tech death context. Mm. But like they really they really did that with Scum Sucker for sure. That, they knocked it out of the park with this. Yeah, that I know exactly what track it. it is. Just what you said right there. I know exactly what track it is. Honestly, I think that's... It's either that or sold short. For me, sold short kind of exemplifies again that like MySpace era sound that I really I, I pine for. It's it's admittedly the less tech death leaning song, but um, it's just the guitars are so fucking. We sick. we should give them the jazz okay. more. Yes. So we're gonna go ahead and play for you, <laughs> sold short that the the jizz. We're gonna get <laughs> which is uh, from Vile Driver's new album, which is called The Rest Are Prey, and that came out on March 1st. Here we go. What's done Take your own home 
So that was Sold Short, which is from Vile Driver's new album, The Rest Are Prey, and that came out back in March. So next, we're going to talk about Shovel Face. And Shovel Face, that's stylized with an X between the A and the C in Face, are a mathcore quartet from Sweden. And they just dropped their new album called Shovel Face Sold Out on March 20th. And although mathcore, grindcore, or metalcore would probably all be like safe descriptors, given how their sound is sort of derived from Dillinger or Converge, uh, one of the standout features for me on this album was all the electronic inclusions and samples that they used. Dude, this is a jam-packed album of some craziness. And a major step up from their first album, too. Like their first album was just a bunch of vignettes, if you will. And I, I feel like the, the, the project Shovel Face has come now to like more fruition with this, this, this album. Gives me some like code orange vibes at times, almost like in sure. not, not industrial, but like we're getting there. Electronic you know? inclusions, yeah, sort of yeah, spells that out for sure. Yeah, it really reminded me of the Armed, actually. Duh, absolutely. Mm. Uh, I uh, I feel like I don't know. This one came out of left field. Really, was not aware of Shovel Face prior to this. You know, well, they have like no social media presence whatsoever. There's like. There's very little you can. Yeah, I've I've been I've been looking for that, and I can't find them anywhere online. Yeah, there's like no info on this band online, like whatsoever. Like if you try like go and Google Shovel Face, like good fucking luck, you're not gonna find anything. They have no social media. They don't have a band camp. The only thing they have is one Idiotech premiere, which is where I got my information on them, and uh, their Spotify profile. Man, I gotta say that uh, the title track sold out was so lackluster. It was just like a kind of track. It's just weird that you would have the title track just be nothing. That's funny. Yeah, I definitely noted that that wasn't like one of the stronger tracks for sure. I really like Shovel Face Coin. That was the song that I sort of made a note on. I, well, I, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to the full album yet, but I listened to it this morning and I was like, yeah, this is probably my type of band. Um, mm. They're just, I, they, they seem very like... Um, just just lots of like really funny little parts and mm-hmm. I, I sort of I, I'm trying to get a feel for like what their what their vibe is like what their energy is it's I confusing it's a little head scratching at times I, they're a bit all over the place in terms of uh, channeling any sort of one particular style on any one particular track yeah it kind of just bounces around between grindcore and like mathcore trash can sandwich that mm-hmm. track specifically had like this like fun 80s kind of like intro and guitar right. to it you know we we're like oh okay all right bit left field there. yeah 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 um i don't know and then like they they had the the opening track is pretty strong too the x is silent which sort of spells out the the moniker situation i was wondering Absolutely. it's like how do i pronounce this shit with the x sitting there i feel i feel the the, the title track sold out uh was kind of, like i said lack little lackluster there as well i literally wasn't feeling uh the the nara uh with cooked uh cooked eggs or whatever it was uh just it being just a noise track really wasn't feeling that as well 
Yeah, I, I, I guess that, that wasn't as particularly strong of a showing, but it's like a, a 26 minute album. You kind of have to expect that they're going to work in. It's going to get something like some that. Some kind of breather, yeah. you know, yeah. to be fair. Filler, breather is a better word for that, I think. Yep. Yeah, I guess it's sort of, um, well, what we call filler is a breather that is not as standout or serves less of a purpose, I guess. Yep, yep. It, I mean, to have a, a, a segue track, I really hope that it, like, it serves its function well to like give you that moment of respite if it's a chaotic type uh, of you know, type of music like this is. Um, and Jack, like you are saying, you were trying to like put your, it's kind of hard to put your uh, finger down exactly what they're all about. Uh, I would say yeah. that going, even just looking at the album cover, I'm very confused of what's going on. Or like when I look at the album cover, <laughs> I'm like, it's a yacht. It's just, yeah. And it's like all the, like the, 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 like the day glow pink and everything. And then it's just the, the absurdity, yeah. like nastiness of this album is just like, okay, what the fucking shit? Like that kind of thing. So. I think like it's it's funny because it says like buy our merch on one of the tracks and I was like you know what I I, I might if I find <laughs> you guys because <laughs> like I I really enjoy this music it's got a bit of that like kind of like I wrestled the bear once funny like enjoyable like it's a bit MySpacey um, I thought like the like the sort of crypto reference is fun um, yeah I, I really I really like it I'd sort of like to know more about it i guess buy our merch was but like one of the nastier tracks too that's true also i pre- i feel like it's sort of alluding to a callous Dowboys reference but maybe i'm wrong about oh, that really i mean because callous Dowboys, we need you we it's need you to movie. buy our merch so we can eat yep it's amazing <laughs> yeah the, the the snare on buy our merch is so good it's such a such a disgusting snare i really love it well it seems like we all agree upon that track so maybe that's the one yep and buy that merch. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and play for you Buy Our Merch, which is off Shovel Face's new album, which is called Shovel Face Sold Out. And that came out on March 20th. Here we go.
right, so that was Buy Our Merch, which is off of Shovel Face's new album, Sold Out, which came out back in March. So the next band that we're going to talk about is Trauma City. Mm-hmm. And Trauma City are a three-piece instrumental math rock band from Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, we discussed their debut self-titled EP back in 2019, which I enjoyed quite a bit at the time. And now they're back with their second EP, Gouged, which they released on April 1st. And it, it's like I almost don't want to call this band math rock because I feel like I'm pigeonholing them a bit because they really just is um, another sort of a genre-defying amalgamation of, of noise rock and, um, and and math rock, of course, and math core to a certain degree. It's like a really aggressive – it's one of the most in- aggressive instrumental math rock bands that I've ever heard. Shreddy at times. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, the, the, the album cover, once again, I'm going on the album cover just like Shovel Face – little deceiving um when i see the cover and see trauma city i'm like okay this is gonna be like a like a death core kind of thing not that at all mm. um a, a little bit of a that behold, logo yeah behold octopus vibes at, at some point you know Agreed. like so agree 100 percent. Yeah, you really get that like super far out there just progressive sort of palette with what they do we haven't had something like this on the podcast in a while kind of refreshing to have like a this like i would say noodly but definitely a it's instrumental, at least. You know. It's it's dense. Dense. Yes, yes, dense. <laughs> I think dense, dense is an apt description. Shreddy, I guess. Like and and that is both given notes per minute and also the, the, the tone on the guitar. It's just so layered in effects. Lots of chorus and reverb. Hmm. Yeah, it's cool. I, I kind of, I really enjoy the, the sort of bait and switch of the cover with the... Um, kind of looks like it would be like death metal or you picked like up on that too or something and it's not it's 100 percent not it's really really um really cool kind of edgy i think that there's the word math rock is like extremely loaded nowadays right. because i think there's an entire group of people that just assume that that means like midwestern um kind of tappy it's more sort of more emo stuff and what a but, misnomer because um, they were 100 percent like Sorry, yeah, you go. I was just going to say that, yeah, American football is like not the most math rock, mm. math rock band at all either, mm. you know? like No. Yeah, but it's sort of like, yeah, like I think more people think it means like this town mean, mean uh, this town needs guns or TTNG as opposed to like Hella or something. But yeah, this is just really good kind of like, I guess that old school, really edgy, really um, sporadic and crazy math rock. It's great. It's really good. Hella is 100% a very apt description. And in fact, in terms of like an FFO, I would apply that as the first and foremost reference. Yeah. I I feel like if you're a fan of what Hella offers in terms of just like the unpredictability and like wonkiness and... um, The ADHD of math rock is fucking (laughs) Hella. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but there's a bit of virtuosity too though, you know? Like there's... If you're a technical player, I think you can appreciate what they're getting at too. It's not just – it doesn't all feel like it's uh, improvised. You know, It doesn't feel improvised at all actually. It feels that's like the, it's, it's meticulously arranged. I that's think, why Hella is fucking good right. for that. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah, Hella I think is deceptively well arranged. Like it doesn't – You know, it just – it feels so loose because what they do is so akin to jazz. Yeah. So you, you do you, – I think you just inevitably get that element of – semi improvisational, you know, thing happening there. With Trom City, I mm. gotta say, uh, I was uh, uh, this generally isn't really my go-to thing these days, but I really, really enjoyed the track uh, Safari. 
Was not a fan of the track Brimstone. That one really didn't grab me at all. But um, overall, it was a nice listen. Just uh, once again, just very refreshing. We haven't had something like this on the podcast for a while. So yeah, Br- Brimstone is kind of the more spacious song, isn't it? It's well the said. One yes. Sort of like longer. Yeah. Longer yeah. phrases or I guess yeah. it's more it's more drawn out for sure. It's also one of the more lengthy cuts yeah. on this album too. I would point to Hellfire as being. Yeah, about 18 minutes, eight, 20 minutes maybe. It's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at, I'm looking now it's 22 minutes and 30 seconds. Thank so, you. Yeah. It's a pr- pretty pretty kind of like standard length for music of this type, I guess. Um it's very easy to be fatigued as a listener. I agree. Yeah, I, I feel like this doesn't have it's not like something that you're going to like sit and listen to on replay necessarily. It's a bit more challenging and, and punishing on like just like a frequency level i think it's com- it's almost like <laughs> built in tinnitus <laughs> yep i like that i like that um but yeah for me i think hellfire is the track that was the one that was like hitting on like mm. like the the hardest level for me like it has like the most impressive parts to it and like the most kind of um it's the one song that doesn't have an insane amount of chorus on the guitars too. I'm not sure if you noticed that Jack as the guitarist, but like that track in particular is the one that's where it's not just like completely bathed in like the, uh, the pedal board. Yeah. That, like I think there's a lot of um, Pog, which is like the, um, yeah, like, like that sort of organy, like really thick tone um, in, in the rest of the album. I, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure like a big octave of, of some sort. Yeah, exactly. It really just creates that extra voicing either way. You know, there's an extra voicing there that makes the guitar feel like it's a broader instrument. Also, I feel like the synthesizer is playing a less prominent role this time around, unless I'm mistaken. Like I feel like in their 2019 EP, the synth was way more prominent. Like you, if you look at the live photos, you see a Moog and he's got a Korg as well. And I don't feel like those are being utilized quite as much on the uh the instrumental arrangement of this album this is the first time we're covering trauma city right this is the second time second time Ooh, buddy boy i'd say this is my first so it probably didn't i guess uh yeah this is all you then uh yeah this band didn't stick out to me i guess the first time uh i i yeah anyways there was more synth elements on their previous stuff as i recall this had been years ago did we cover trauma city 2019 right? hmm okay well then, <laughs> that, that was a that was a full four years ago now. To be fair, it's a long time, time ago. Time moves weird. Yep. We also yeah. cover so many bands that I guess it's kind of easy to like. If I like go back and listen to just random episodes of Mathcast blindly, I can only pick out one in ten bands. To be completely honest, with I, like, you. I listened to that record. <laughs> 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 um, but yo, uh, yeah, let, let's uh, let's choose that. I, I want to say Hellfire is the track. I feel like that was the one that was the standout. Um, either that or Gato. Gato Safari was okay too. Brimstone, I sort of agree, was a bit lacking, and it sort of tapers off for for me after Hellfire. So I want to be selfish, and I, I think we should give him Hellfire. Let's do Hellfire. I mean, I'm a Safari I, man I, myself. I, I want Hellfire too. Okay, cool. I, I'm a Hellfire fella. He's a Hellfire boy. Yeah, brother. <laughs> so we're gonna play Hellfire, not by Black Midi, which is by Trauma City, and that's off their new EP Gouge, which came out on April first. Here we go.
All right. So that was Hellfire, which is off of Trauma City's new EP, Gouged, and that came out on April 1st. Just a quick addendum if you're listening and notice sort of a, a variation in, in sound quality. We had some internet difficulties and the call dropped and we're picking this now up on uh, day two. So this is part two from our conversation from yesterday. Um, on that note, Jack is still with us. Jack, thank you for joining us for a second day, early morning for you, late afternoon for us. We appreciate it, man. <laughs> that's yeah, man. that's A-OK. Both these days are my weekend. So more than happy to come and chat MathCore on the weekend. Love it. Wow. MathCore time. So... Next, we're going to talk about Lucidity. And uh, Lucidity, that's the English translation of the band's name, are an emo violence trio from St. Petersburg, Russia. And they just dropped their new EP, The Minsk Sea, on March 27th via Zegama Beach Records. Naturally, if it's some good screamo or emo violence, the, the Daves are going to pick that up. Absolutely. Stamp of approval right there immediately. You know it's good. Especially, I feel like Zegama Beach really has, I mean, for being a U.S. slash Canadian label, uh, they really have the, the, they really embrace all foreign scrams, you know? Um, it's in every form, you know? Truly, yep. they do. I mean, most of the things that Zegama Beach releases, I can't really pronounce the names because it's, it's all like <laughs> Italian screamo and Spanish screamo and shit, so yeah. Yeah, do, do they tend to focus on more international bands as opposed to everything that's the best thing about zagama it's both their uh, roster is very international yes it's very like transatlantic they're working with a ton of i think that's where they kind of have a leg up is they just have that international renown in underground music which is that's pretty hard to achieve i think on like a worldwide scale where every every band in the genre all across the world wants to work with your label because i th- i think like it's more nowadays with a lot of genres, but I think with Screamo specifically, even like early aughts and stuff like that, uh, late 90s, uh, there was always like six to seven labels all releasing the same seven inch, you know? So you had like the Japanese like label and shit like that. I mean, uh, Cliff Parade was like yeah. that, you know, I have numerous things where, yeah, so I think that's kind of where it is, where Zegama, I think most of the time is that U.S. Canadian you know, printer and distributor of a said album. And I mean, most of their stuff is pretty small print as far as physical, you know, they're not pr- printing anything over a hundred, uh, 200 of anything. You know? uh, yeah. I think in some instances they're doing like 300 LPs. Yeah, I mean, like, all, LPs all of, like one run. thing, but I mean, yeah. small run of like these, yes, you know, yes. like, and then naturally they have like tomb tapes too, and stuff like where you can kind of spread your wings even more with a tape label. Right. Which like I that. think tomb, tomb tapes or it's tomb tree now. Tomb uh, tree. Yeah. Tomb, tomb tree, tree is like their imprint label. Yes. It's just like one of the Dave's. How confusing could that possibly be? But yeah, um, this. Uh, but back to this band. Um, I was <laughs> thoroughly impressed. Um, and uh, it sometimes on this podcast, uh, the band is just very good in its own genre, and you really don't have much to say. This is kind of where I'm at with these guys. It's just good screamo. Yeah, it's it's top notch, visceral, chaotic screamo with just a little bit extra added emotion. Oh, it's emotive for sure. Uh, yep. Yeah. And I um I, I love I love the Bloodborne reference in the second track, at least I'm assuming. Have any of you two played Bloodborne? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I yeah, didn't. Cleric Beast. I didn't, but I just read some stuff on it and everything like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah, love. Cleric Beast is a. We 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 also have Basil's Kite also has a Bloodborne themed song, so. I, I I like to share that kinship. <laughs> what what song is the yeah. Bloodborne theme song for Basil's Kite? Uh it's 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 an unreleased song on the second album. Okay. Cool. Um, we'll talk about that so later then. To um, be continued. Yeah. But to be continued. But yeah, I, I I think the other thing that really stood out to me on this is the production is so great. It really it is, is. so Absolutely. so good on this record. 
I um I I think I rarely hear emo violence with this sort of high level of production. Everything is there's so much clarity, but it's so crushing. Yeah, I really that stood out to me. I feel like bands like Envy have always had that like crushing, heavy emotive thing with screamo, but also very well produced and stuff. You remember uh, from Japan? Yeah, Envy? definitely yeah, Envy, yeah. of course. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's sort of a unfortunate pitfall of a lot of screamo bands is they're a bit on the underproduced side or low budget shit you know yeah they're trying to just capture like a lot you know granted they're putting out a lot of seven inches of course too or an ep so i kind of i guess that kind of makes sense you're not going for like the fully like major label produced experience Mm -hmm. on an ep necessarily Mm. but yeah yeah, this is it's not always why you come to emo violence no exactly a lot of the time you come to emo violence because you kind of want something that's a bit rough and ready but right that said it, it is refreshing for sure and i think it's still that being <clears> said <throat> even though it is well produced it, it still manages to capture like that raw kind of visceral experience that you would get from they probably sound like this live very closely you know it's not like it's mm. overproduced either is what i'm getting at no um honestly i i thought the first track was amazing kind of busted out right away yeah yeah um, it's all they're all very very short is one thing that's i mean of course it's an emo violence project so they're the songs are not necessarily going to be like multi-phased or anything but yeah um cleric beast was a good one for sure and i yeah rapeseed mistress the opening is, is pretty powerful for sure cleric beast is number two right that's correct mm. yes that's that that's the track right there what do you think jack yeah, I liked Cleric Beast. We'll, um, we'll do that then. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you can't go wrong, though, really. Every one of the songs on this EP is, is fucking solid. Uh, the riffs are just chaotic, but they still maintain that melodic texture as you get from, you know, a lot of emo violence bands. Absolutely. It's not just... In other words, there's not a lot of, like, dissonance on this release. It's not like like your Senzas or... Um, I don't know, I'm... I'm at a loss right now, but that's a good that's a good one right there. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not like there's no blackened shit or really post fluff to what they're doing, you yeah. know. Yeah. So we're gonna go ahead and play for you Cleric Beast, which is track two from Lucidity's new EP, The Minsk Sea, and that came out on March twenty seventh via ZBR. Here we go. really enjoy Vegemite. Oh, do you really? Like it's a bit of a meme, but it actually is so good to Yo, me. I love it. I just had a, a a homie, a rollerblading homie stay with me for a night and then he's coming back next week, but he's from Melbourne and he just like flew in to for a skate contest and then a gamble here. Uh but anyways, I got I got some questions for nice. you. I got Yeah, I do hear questions. that people like uh school like uh, people who have school age kids like swear by the shit for sure. Is what I understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's a yeah, it's a yeasty 
treat. It's <laughs> it's it's really mm, intense. Yeasty. <laughs> As a young boy, I always thought to myself, man, I, where can I get my yeast fixed today? Hold yeah. up the Vegemite talk, boys, for later. Let's Save talk. For the interview. Let's talk about this split first. <laughs> all right, I'm going to leave all that in. So next, we're going to talk about the Yashira horsewhip split, which we're going way back for this one. It came out on January 30th, but. It's a quality fucking release from two really good bands who have, uh, well, the latter especially has some some interesting pedigree. With has Horsewhip has members of Reversal of Man and Combat Wounded Veteran, correct? Yes, absolutely. Right. Yep, and maybe some other notable like power violency kind of grind bands. But yeah, either way, two really fucking good Florida bands. Yashira being from Jacksonville and Horsewhip being from Saint Petersburg, respectively. And they just dropped their new split again on the thirtieth. You know, I'm not gonna lie. I basically took zero notes on this this project because it's a uh, it's a two song split. So it's yeah, a, it's a one track each. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a pretty concise conversation. It's uh, but Yashira never disappoints. I want to say that right away. They are one of the most consistent bands in this kind of like angular dissonant metalcore, and yep. um, e- even despite the the loss of their drummer, I don't they didn't set them back at all. They've just like kept fucking at it. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, uh, Seth Howard. <clears throat> I, uh, I I want to say that everything that Yashira Yashira has done has has been uh, they've been stepping it up. Single releases, everything like that. They've never know? had a miss. This no. is one of the bands that has just not had like a bad release or like a. They were on the first year of Math Corn Dex Fest. Yeah, they right? were. Yeah, that's the fucking. That was a good set right there. And uh, they've they've sort of distinguished themselves further and further since that release. I thought I felt like back then maybe they were still kind of showing their neurosis and converge influence a bit, and it's become more uh, more idiosyncratic. We definitely the, their last full length. We definitely kissed their ass on the podcast. I remember it was super fucking good. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really good. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I will be I will be the the Screamo Index side of this and just uh, say I do favor the, I do favor the Horsewhip side. I, I um, knew you would. <clears throat> Uh, Horsewhip, by no means, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't call them screamo, but they definitely just have uh, members from just the OG bands and stuff. Uh, they still embrace that and everything. Give a lot of screamo index love, but uh, I, I really thought that that this uh, track specifically was just straight up just solid fucking hardcore. Uh, just um, and and it's it's one track. I'm, I'm down with it. Love it. Their last full length was fucking amazing. You know, it was good. Yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, Jack. Awesome. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I was again having some audio issues with the cutting out thing. I was just um, praising horsewhip. That's it. Damn. Yeah. Awesome. The um, I I, I like the horsewhip side. I'm, I'm trying to because I listened to it yesterday. I, I I like the Yashira side. It's probably a bit more in my style. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's sort of, it's, <laughs> it's it's hard how um, you immediately want to compare the sides. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's they're a both kind of good, just just in a different way, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I really, I really liked it. I'd, I'd probably listen to more of um, Yashira and Horsewhip. Was this what, your first what, brush what, with uh, those bands, or it is? Yeah, are, are these guys in in any other sort of bands that I would recognize as well? Yeah. So Yashira doesn't really have any. They don't like have a super notable past projects that I'm aware of. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, the Horsewhip guys are from like a leg- legendary screamo power violence bands. Like Combat Wounded Veteran is very like you see that yep. cover and a lot of people will instantly gush about it. That and uh, Reversal of Man as well. Yeah. Reversal of Man definitely yeah. more on like the screamo oh. emo violence side. But yeah, mm-hmm. legendary for having those like bird screams. Yes. Such a good description, the bird screams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's apt, is it not? <laughs> yeah, just like that super high pitched register. Yeah, I I reckon they would absolutely kill to do unless maybe you just got to be a really good vocalist. Yeah, I think it's sort of an unorthodox technique. So you sort of just you know you let it rip and you hope for the best. Yep, hope for the best. Yeah, <laughs> just going yeah. for that high pitched. But yeah, this this is solid as fuck. Definitely enjoying. Not to just dump all the the praise on Yashira alone. Horsewhip definitely bringing it on their side of the EP as well too. I feel like this was like mm. some of the more like techie material that they they've put forth so far. Maybe I'm saying that without having a super like good frame reference on their past stuff. I, I think I only listened to their album like one time. But is there a physical pressing to this? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna look this up. Hey, you keep talking. I'm gonna look this up. Okay. If there is, I'll I'll dump it for you in the uh, the description. So um, I think we'll just give him both songs from the split, obviously. I was going to say, this is going to be easy here. So, <laughs> All right. So we're going to go ahead and play for you Burial Mound by Yashira and Circadian Rhythm by Horsewhip. And that's off their new split that came out on January 30th via Zegama Beach Records on Split 7-inch. Mm-hmm. There it is. Here we go. All right, so that was the Yashira Horsewhip split, and that came out back in January via ZBR. Again, so much, so yo, much love for yo. The- it is ZBR, fucking. Yeah. They got a seven inch for this motherfucking shit. Yeah. So, yep, <clears throat> confirmed.
Next, we're going to have an interview with our friend Jack Tickner here of Basil's Kite. So, Jack. Hey. Thank you so much uh, again for joining us for this this episode and this interview. What got you into playing music and uh, what was your first band? My first ever band was a band called The Rangers. And uh, I don't know if you've heard the word ranger, but in Australia, it means like redhead. So we were called The Rangers. None of us had red hair, but that was kind of the joke. And we'd play, uh, we'd play in a local church in my small regional town I grew up in. And we would only do a cover of Island in the Sun by Weezer. Um, nice. And that was my first ever band. And from there, I went into high school and started a band called Thomas Covenant. We, we released one record and it's like probably a lot more pop um, but I think there was some really cool ideas in there. And then Basil's Kite was alongside that. I think we started 2011 now, which is quite a while ago. Answers and, um, my next question. Yeah. yeah. So you guys have been we, around for sort of, we, a long time. Yes, we have been around for a long time, but with, with varying levels of intensity. So I think there was a year, maybe it was 2015, where we only did one gig and didn't really write any songs or anything like that so now uh now we're basically running at hyperspeed with our new members where um we got an entire album recorded ready to go um yeah we got so many ideas and so many songs so it really feels like it's kind of had a rebirth in the last uh f since 2019 yeah, since the release of Sun is Smiling, it definitely you've seen a stylistic shift away from what was on Celestial Fuckfest with that more kind of like math rock focus. And you've, you've shifted into something that's definitely more uh, undeniably math core and aggressive for sure, but still maintaining a nice, mm. a nice balance and dynamic, which I really appreciate. When our sax player left the band, it was obviously very sad because he's like a, you know, he's like a very close friend, but as soon as he... As soon as he left, we just turned our amps up louder and started <laughs> right. playing everything slightly faster. And it was like, all right, cool. Now we can kind of just become more of a heavy band, I guess. Right. You don't have to play softly anymore. No more soft dynamics. No. <laughs> just all yeah. loud staccato. So Yeah, 100%. How did Basil's Kite get started? So I was in high school and I heard Terra Malos and I was like, oh my god like oh my oh my god i had no idea music could do this and it just like sent me into a spin and then from that point on i just kind of um i guess like romantically devoted my musical output to um to playing in odd time signatures um so i think like i, I was i wasn't never like like i'm mostly self-taught as a guitarist um, I had like a little bit of direction and then I studied, um, I studied for a bit, but I, I never had any hyper fixation or hyper focus in like learning guitar from a teacher. Um, so I just sort of sat down and tried to add new beats into my music. And at first it was very primitive and kind of like, I don't know, a bit haphazard. And then I sort of just kept going and kept going. And then I met... Um, I met another guitarist who was also into the same thing, Jono. And that was, oh, actually, I, sorry, I have a more interesting kind of 
origin story if you want to hear that. No, please. Yeah, of course. Okay. So I sort of, I pick who I tell this to because it kind of makes people feel a bit yuck. But Basil's Kite started on 4chan. <laughs> I think I saw you say that somewhere else online. I mean, it's like, yeah. what, how are you going to raise an eyebrow at someone for being on a message board on the internet, though? It's not, it wasn't necessarily always a cesspool of, ex- exclusively a cesspool no. of, of really problematic You're right. people. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's also just yeah. a lot of, like, young kids who are shit posters who really just have no idea of what the repercussions of what they're posting yeah. on the internet could possibly be. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't like, yeah, we were just on the music board and, um... Yeah, it was one of those threads that's like, let's start an international band. Like, let's all let's all get together and play music. And I just started chatting with this guy. So dangerous in hindsight. <laughs> like, such a dangerous thing for a, like, 17-year-old on the internet to be doing. Right. Just picking up a random guy on 4chan to chat to. Right. But, um, Come on, bring all yeah, your expensive we, music gear to my house and <laughs> we'll hang out. Yeah, yeah. And then... um. Yeah, like we just got chatting and, and then I realized this guy like lived 20 minutes away from me. So we, we met up and then we started as a Neutral Milk Hotel cover band, um, which is so 4chan. It's so music board for 4chan Mew. And then um, it's, it's, it's something all right. We sort of kept going. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I even got some pictures from that. I think because the town we're from is Wollongong. Mm. I think the gig was called In the Aeroplane Over the Gong. <laughs> nice, and nice. Yeah. I'm actually a huge fan of, we, um, of Neutral Milk Hotel, by the way. So I, I do appreciate that. Oh, First album was ridiculous. I, I, yeah. I'm, I, I still still love it. It still hits me just as much as it used to. Same. And yeah, and then we just kept playing and had a few lineup changes and here we are. How did you land on the name Basil's Kite? What a, so I assume that you enjoy Cap and Jazz, but what specifically about the song Basil's Kite drew you? What was the attraction there to that name? Um, it's probably who, who's the singer? Is it is it Tim, Tim Kinsella? Mm-hmm. Tim. Yeah, it was probably Tim's vocals, and I was just like, that is so good. Like, <laughs> and just everything about that song is so. Um, it's so unapologetic. It's just like the really out of tune, like horn or whatever. <laughs> There's like kind of like the, this weird the, rhythmic. Yeah. It's, it's the definition of out of tune. That is actually Jangly. by far. It's, that is like my like top three uh, uh, favorite uh, cap and jazz tracks is Basil's kite. It's, yeah. it's real good yeah. for sure. I, yeah, I love Tim yeah. Kinsella on that note. He is one of the most idiosyncratic vocalists in, in the, uh, the genre. Uh, Chris, when they when they did yeah. their their revamped uh, thing in what what was this two thousand eighteen? You think? Yeah, two thousand eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, I saw them at FYF in Los Angeles. And no, and then you and I got our oh, yeah, we saw our that. shirts wind together. He Tim Kinsella <laughs> stuck his mic. Ourselves, but. Yeah, but uh, we 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 saw we saw them live, and we like Tim stuck his microphone through Christian's shirt, then through my shirt, and then kept singing. And at some point, we had to take our shirts off because he took our shirts with the mic cord away. <laughs> that from was the him. first time I've taken my shirt off in public. <laughs> in public, in a non like you know beach scenario or lake scenario, in like. A long, long time. I, I, he took my Blood Brothers sweatshirt and he took oh, Christian's no. actual T-shirt. So I had a T-shirt underneath and Christian had nothing. No, he Levi was, just, was like having a panic attack, like reaching for it. He was like, that's my, that, that's my valuable Blood Brothers. Yeah. Like, I just, you could see the distress on his face. It's immortalized on video too. It was vintage. I just knew that shit. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I, we hope, I hope you appreciate that because as a, a Kinsella fan. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, li I like that. It seems very... Um, I don't know. Was he doing it to other people or was it just... Oh, yeah. Like By the time he was done, he had he had collected probably 15 or 20 yeah, different 15, garments. Yeah, 20 different yeah. garments. Yeah, we were the first two. And then he just kept grabbing people, like, because we were just front stage, and he just kept grabbing people and taking their but shirts. But by the and song, just, yeah. they played it. They played out the song like in an extended version. And by the time the song was done, he had given back everybody their stuff. But of course, that meant that very, very last, I would get my shirt back. <laughs> so he really like made me in a put me in a potentially uncomfortable situation. I just had to like roll. Christian's with it. sweet nips were just out, <laughs> just out for everybody there. It was there, so there was the, the audience around me was warmly encouraging, so I didn't I didn't feel awkward about it. Anyway, sorry for hijacking this nice. interview to talk about our experience seeing. No, no, that's, that's, that's Kite, a great that's a great story. No, I really appreciate that. It's sort of left field for a mathcore band to so intimately reference uh, an emo band, but um. Yeah, I do appreciate that mm. as a, a Midwest emo fan, and, mm -hmm. and they're they're the very best among them. So, yeah. So, can we talk a little bit about the writing process for Shooting Stars for our listeners? Because many of them may not be aware that this album has more or less been in the works for like what a better part of a decade, right? Like seven years or so. Yeah, yeah, it, it has, and it's um, I think I we we've had some people reach out which is really nice they found like old videos of like backvark from um like 2015 and stuff and they're saying still nice things about it so yeah um it, it's it's kind of nice it's they, they've all undergone so many changes and um permutations. i think we were so yeah so many permutations and um i think like yeah it was 2019 when we got our new drummer isaac and he just completely changed everything. And yeah, he was, Isaac was a mega fan. Like we've got all these old videos of us playing live and Isaac's in the background, just this gigantic bald man who's just very ecstatic to be, <laughs> to be watching us. And then as soon as we said that um, our drummer had left, um, Isaac just immediately messaged me and joined the band. And then yeah he just he, he i think he learned all of the songs in two months um which is just crazy behavior um, so most of these songs were arranged by you and, and jono correct yeah yeah and then and then isaac yeah isaac picked up the songs learned them in two months and then jono left at the same time so we we, we came we went from two guitarists to one guitarist and then we went on tour with Isaac to Brisbane and played all these songs. And yeah, I think, I think after that I was like, yeah, this, this guy must be pretty into the music if he just did it so quickly. Honestly, that's the kind of person that you want keeper. to join your band. Yeah, exactly. Someone who's like the most yeah. enthusiastic fan of the band is the, honestly the perfect person to be in the band. If they have the, yeah. the prerequisite skills, if they yeah. possess it on a genetic level to play math core. <laughs> Because <laughs> some yeah. people, like, literally, I think, just do not possess it on, like, a, a, a molecular level. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just not in their yeah. their biology, their physiology, rather. Yeah, so, exactly. There's some, some weird broken thing in their brain that makes them want to sit down and perfect a passage that's in, like, 11.8 or something, you know? Right. Because it's, it's, it's not fun. It's not fun to do all the time. And it's not like there's a huge crowd of people who are going to appreciate you for it either <laughs> no and I'm, I'm certain that you don't sit down with the deliberate notion of writing any particular time signature you're just you're writing something and then it you 
Yeah. A time signature is just something you apply later on in most cases. You just figure out how to like subdivide the phrase most effectively yeah. for memorization, I suppose, right? Yeah. I don't know how you would articulate yeah, for, that, but... Well, well for, for me, it's kind of like, um, you know, those old Looney Tunes um, things where it's just like, uh, like Wally Coyote on the front of a train. Mm-hmm. And he's like putting down the um, the train tracks as the train's running. It's kind of like that. I love that allegory. It's just like, yeah, it's just like you're you're you got an idea and you're just following it and you're collapsing forward, and then the point where you stop is is when it just feels right or you run out of things to put down in front of the train. And if all else fails, you can just end on like the B section. Is what one thing I've learned from math core, like compositionally speaking, a yep. lot of songs end on B. Like the B section or whatever. Yep. Yep. It's pretty pretty normal, pretty standard behavior. So this album, as we were just discussing, has been in the works for quite a while. Um, there's been a lot of permutations for a lot of these songs, and you've had some lineup changes you were sort of addressing. And uh, this album notably saw the departure of your bassist, bassist uh, Jacob Spinks. Yeah. So Jacob, was he uh, one of the original members? Yeah, J- Jacob. Jacob. Um, Jacob was an original member. Yeah. Can we talk about his departure? Because yes. I know he played yeah, a. Yeah. I know he played a, a pretty integral part in the the, the songwriting as well. He, yeah, he, he he and I are, are still great friends. We um, we chat quite a bit still. He's um, yeah. I think he just like 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 I said when in, in about 2019 we underwent like, you know, like like a, a kind of big a big change in intensity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think like after like a decade, he's just sort of like, yeah, you know, it's not really something I want to be doing anymore. And that's totally fine. It was, it was about as amicable as it could possibly be. I'm so happy to hear that. Yep. Yeah. It's like, it it was definitely really sad because I listened to shooting SARS and it's like, he's just got such a lovely voice Mm -hmm. and he's also got such a monstrous evil voice (laughs) his contribution to the record Um, vocally and instrumentally of course but but especially vocally is is really excellent especially on castaway where you allow him that entire song to just sort of shine yeah yeah and 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 he recorded most of those um most of those vocals like quite sick (laughs) like he had like he had like a flu or something like that and um and our our uh our, our producer Jono, who was also our guitarist at the time he um he was living in Melbourne, so when he came to to Wollongong from Melbourne, he couldn't really afford to not record and Jacob was like, "Man, you're here, we gotta do it so even though he had a flu, he just somehow really did so great yeah, he really you know, delivered some, a, for being sick excellent performance yeah. Uh, I like that evil voice. That's exactly what I would describe that voice as. <laughs> well, you see him in like the Wiggle music video, and he's just got that that uh, Kubrick esque stare, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, Jack, uh, he does. As far as uh, as far as the tracks and everything go, you guys pump out quite a few music videos for this album. Um, do you guys really enjoy making the music videos, or do you find it more of like a task to just like get it out there like that? Um, I, I think we, we more enjoy making, uh, things that aren't music videos. Like we, we started a series called Hog's Kitchen. I love that. I love Hog's Kitchen. It's great. I, uh, J- Jack, uh, I know nothing about this. Please tell me what is Hog's Kitchen. So I, Isaac is a chef and he's also from an extremely small Bogan town in the Blue Mountains called Lithgow. 
So he has a sort of like um, side character called Bo- Bogue Jones, like B-O-A-G Jones. And um, he just wears like a high-vis vest and like does a cooking show. And then he dresses up as the creature that he's eating. And then we'd sing a song and um, and then we all eat together. <laughs> There's a very, yeah, I've noticed a, a really distinctly Tim and Eric-esque vibe to some of the visual media, specifically the, the yeah. Wiggle music video to, to touch on that and, and Train song. Agreed. Yeah. Does like film and any kind of other visual media sort of like play an impact on, on Basil's Kite? Yeah, I, I think um, I think particularly because we have like, like for, for the most part, we've we we work with one specific or two specific people. We work with um, James Andrews. He did the baby video. Um, he's from a band called Hoon from Wollongong. They've got an album out called Australian Dream. It's very good. And we work with another guy called Patrick Starr. I'm, that is his real name, yeah, Patrick Starr. Yeah, it is. And Patrick Starr has done all your most recent music videos from Sun Is Shining On, correct? Uh, I I did Sun Is Smiling. Sun Is well, Smiling, like, excuse me. Sun Is Shining yeah. is a Bob Marley song. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> I repeatedly be shining. I repeatedly uh, referenced that song incorrectly, but who thank did, you for Who did Train? To Patrick um, Starr. That was Pat. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's killing your music yeah. videos for sure. Yeah. And I think I think Isaac as well really enjoys acting in the in the videos. He's just we we always put together really stupid costumes. It's great, um, like the train costume. Yeah, I love I love the element of humor that you guys bring to the music videos. It's just uh, it, it just makes you so immediately likable, you know. Ah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's fun. It makes it um, more bearable. <laughs> for us <laughs> did you see on instagram the other day someone said that you should be in prison for the sun is smiling music video really <laughs> yeah, and i was like oh that seems a little severe <laughs> where, where was that it was on his, it was on that? my instagram oh, right. in the comments nice i definitely kept responding because it was it was funny to me but <laughs> I, I love that music video uh so oh, jack thanks. as far I, as I like you know one. bouncing off the inspiration for your videos and all that kind of stuff um uh, inspiration just for the music that you guys are doing right now. Uh, do you get juiced off any band specifically? And, you know, naturally with art, we're kind of pulling from everything and all that. I mean, would you yeah. say you grab from one band specifically? Yeah. What inspires you guys? So, so uh, do I have to pick one? No, no, no give us all. Of them. But, 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 but I would like, a, I would like a, the big one. If, if anything, if there's one okay. that really stands out, you know, so. So, Probably it, it depends on who you ask in the band, but for Isaac, it's probably Carbomb. Carbomb is probably his big thing. Um, I did yeah, not expect that. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted to hear he likes Carbomb though, because yeah, I can sort of yeah, hear that in his drumming like, a bit. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 definitely with what he's writing now. It's even more probably influenced by Carbomb. Um, for me, it's uh, probably um, Palm. If you guys know Palm. They're um, like, they're, yeah, they're, wait, the math rock. Outfit? Yeah. Yeah. That my dude, I've, 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 uh, I've been in two separate like skate sections, like, uh, skate edits where we where we've used Palm as that. And I just saw Palm a few months ago here in San Francisco. Oh, did you? Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Look them up. You'll love them. I only know yeah. the name. I've not listened to their music. Sadly. But, but anyways, uh, what do you pull from Palm specifically since I just got juiced off that? Yeah, I um, I I find myself often when I'm writing, uh, like a little bit trapped in kind of like staccato kind of like 
uh, how do I describe it? Like kind of Morse describe. code rhythms. Yes. Like the like which is really fun and great. And I'm not about to turn my back on it because it's like the primary characteristic of mathcore, basically that staccato for sort of Morse code. All, yeah, absolutely. There's like one but track specifically it, like in colors or something weird like that. I can't remember. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying there. Um, Palm. And then when they, when they played live, Holy fuck, they were so mm. tight. It was, it was yeah. very impressive. Yeah. I think, I think I love how tight they are. And I also love their polyphony. I love how like, there's just so many things happening concurrently and they run into each other and i think that's the thing that we're wanting to explore more and more which is like kind of having rhythms that just continuously run against each other and play against each other in interesting ways i love it um you can yeah. certainly so that, that's why i like palm yeah you can certainly create some uh, intricacy that way yeah for sure so I'd like to talk about the lyrical themes on the album. Is there any sort of like overarching concept to the album? I know that you sort of cover a broad range of topics ranging from wealth imbalance to climate change to sort of uh, the inability to engage with the world. I think I'm directly quoting you there, but. Sorry, I had little audio issues there. Oh, sorry. I think the, 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 the question is like just like like some lyrical themes in the album and what like do they run? Does it does does something run throughout it? Um, yeah, so basically, these like these songs are all kind of written um, at various different times, but I would say that I mean let me let me look up this album. And that's the reason I ask. <laughs> I know because they were a lot of this music is sort of written over the span of you know several years. So I'm just wondering yeah. if uh, you. I mean, I, I can tell that there there's like distinct themes within every song, but yeah. I, I I think probably the the main theme of this album is probably just disenfranchisement. Um, it's kind of just like about, it's probably, it's just about hating things. And then it all kind of finishes with just being like, I actually don't want to participate in anything, which is baby, which is a song about just wanting to completely regress. I had some, I had some I, people I think love, it was a... I love that song, honestly. The, the, the press release for it is, is so hilarious. Uh, when the only exit out of this world is the entry point in or something to that effect. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah I, I, absolutely. The face, the face is so... The face is disturbed. The music video is great, but the baby face is so disturbing. Like, I don't know. It's, I, it's, it's the one... It's, it is the one video where I'm... It's unsettling, but in a good way, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, th- th- that was the one that got us a lot of hate on the internet. Um, that baby video, yeah. If you look up the original post, it was because um, we advertised to a bunch of like Russian and Ukrainian <laughs> audiences who were over fifty, and they hated it so much. <laughs> I just kept clicking like see translation on their comments, and it would always have things just like, you know, I hate you guys, insane people, disgusting. Um, so many angry reacts. It was quite funny. That's like literally all of Mathcore Index's comments now, by the way. So don't you're not alone. <laughs> people people yeah. who like who, who like are not familiar with the subculture of of music are very very offended when they discover it. Yeah, it's sort of it. It makes me like a bit sad sometimes. Like I um, because to me like math Mathcore and math rock and experimental music is kind of like it just becomes pop because it's just like. I hang out with cool people who want to chat about it 
And it's just sort of like, like to me, there's no delineation, but then occasionally someone breaks into your safe space and they just hate everything you're doing and they think you're weird and they're projecting and it sucks. I, I remember, um, do you guys know the band Doomsday Student? Yeah, absolutely. Members of Erebon Radar. Yeah. 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 I saw, um, there was a Doomsday Student music video where, um, it was a great video. It was so, so good. I, I, I don't remember the song, but it was I'm, like, I know the one you're talking about, or I suspect I do anyway. Yeah. They, the one where they dress up as spiders. No, maybe not. They got some good music videos they, though. I don't remember that one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like they, they sort of, they're like, um, they dress up as tennis players and they, they like give birth to tennis balls and it's like really disgusting, but great. And then one time this, um, this YouTuber leafy, made like a cringe video and was just like oh look at this band uh like doomsday student like oh wow they suck and then suddenly it had like thousands of dislikes and just all these angry kids so i hate that stay away from our safe space yeah you, I, I don't want to be around those people <laughs> let us let us be nerdy in peace <laughs> so for our listeners basil's kite play custom microtonal guitars Jack, what you got? Uh, what got you guys into microtonal music? Hey, um, um, hold up, hold up! Before mm. you answer that, Jack, can yeah. one of you explain to everybody out there, like myself, what the fuck microtonal is? Jack, I'll let you take that. Yeah, on. of course. Oh, he left. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I happen <laughs> just run away. Jack has left the conversation. <laughs> he just took off. <laughs> so I happen to have a microtonal guitar right here. So basically, it's like it's a baby guitar. Guys, yeah, it's like a very small yeah, scale a, Fender. Yeah, this is like a half size guitar. I um, I'm I'm worried that we're on a podcast, so I got to describe what I'm holding. But basically, uh, it's got frets that are placed differently than the normal guitar frets, and that's what gives it a microtonal sound. So, so this is the same tune that we used on Train Song. Um, and I think this guitar was in the video too. It was. And I was like, that seems like a toy guitar. That can't be the actual microtonal guitar. And it is. Holy fuck, yes. Jack. I, I, was I was like, oh, you probably just brought like, like a cheap ass banger guitar out because they're like filming in a tunnel. <laughs> yeah, I didn't Jack. realize that was the guitar. <laughs> oh, Jack, I thought you were playing a toy guitar, but it's an actual guitar that costs money. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. That's so crazy. No, uh, well, you can see how much money it costs right here. Or maybe you can't. I can't. $30. Listen, money doesn't matter. You, you, you made the thing fucking sing on that tune. That's like... One, it's the most uh, unique tune on the album, and that that guitar was the one that did it. So yes, yeah, it it is the only, yeah, it's it's got a yeah the only the only song on that album that's microtonal and with that guitar. One, and, uh, one, one last thing though, you still haven't asked me what the fuck is microtonal then? <laughs> it just means that the the tuning has different notes than that on a piano. Oops, than that on a piano or a regular guitar. So in in a frequency spectrum, say you have like. Uh, each each like that in itself will be cut into 12 notes your chromatic scale as we know it chromatic scale but microtones they just cut it in different ways so it will be like micro yeah so can you explain that you're you, you don't have a zen harmonic tuning uh, people who understand what microtonal music is will understand that probably mm. that term zen harmonic but Basil's Kite's music is not in Zen Harmonic, is it? Uh, no. So Zen Harmonic is like a term that's used to describe microtonal music that sounds alien. 
I, I guess like 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 in maybe the I'm main, misusing like, that then. I don't understand the nomenclature. Yeah, perhaps. potentially. I, I I don't really. I try to not to use Zen harmonic. It's a bit of a point of contention in the community. I just I just feel like Zen harmonic is maybe a bit more off-putting than microtonality as a term. Right. I, I don't know though. Yeah. I I, I agree. Um, it is more off-putting, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's a bit more um, alienating, literally. <laughs> yeah, fully. Yeah, a bit bit alienating. Um, but yeah. So can so you describe I, your tuning I, system? Got, I can. It's based on the uh, seventh harmonic and the thirteenth harmonic, and basically, if you guys listen to like Mongolian throat singing, like, do you guys know that sound? That mm-hmm. like, it's yeah. it's like false chording, right? Yeah, yeah, and and you hear that like the like where they kind of go up the harmonic series. Mm-hmm. So it's based on that tuning. Oh, okay. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, so we kind of use those. Some, some notes that are from the harmonic series and yeah. So you've got an entire album's worth of microtonal music uh, ready to go. You were just saying earlier, is that correct? We do. We've got half an hour of full on microtonal music and I'm uh, I'm really excited to see what people think of it because yeah, there's there's definitely tracks on there that are I ask you if that's correct because I've already I've already heard the <laughs> album, but <laughs> for our listeners, you know, they don't know yet. So yeah, they don't know. Um, yeah, there's there's like a lot of mathcore tracks on there, and maybe it's less noticeable, but there's also some kind of more melodic things that I think will really twist people's ears. Maybe it'll make them think that we're just out of tune. That's okay. That that is um, naturally the mini comments you're going to receive are. Like, yeah, I, we're prepared for that. It is what it is. People are saying that about a non-microtonal band like Yowie. I can't imagine what they're going to say about actual mm. microtonal music, you know, not understanding how yeah. tunes work. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But you're really pushing some boundaries. I mean, I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, you're you're really pushing some boundaries. And it's just microtonal music and math core just seem like such a natural fit. And it's such an untapped, uh, mm. it's an untapped market, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it is. Yeah, an untapped market. We're yeah. all going to be rich. Yeah, exactly. We're be so rich, man. Get that microtonal math core bucks. You you've <laughs> you tried math core bucks. Now try microtonal math core bucks. Even less. <laughs> yeah, we 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 got we got to we got to launch our own crypto coin or something. Right, Basil Micro coin, baby. Coin. Kite coin. Yeah, Basil coin. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it it is a bit untapped. But I also I I kind of get why because I had to build these guitars myself or i had to refret them myself and there's been moments on tour where the guitars have broken or a string has snapped and it's just like great well i guess we can't play the rest of the set because no one else on the entire planet has a guitar tuned to this so it's it's great but it's also comes with such a big set of challenges so have you thought about setting up a, a backup then for when you're touring on the microtonal stuff or do you, I assume you have probably have like standard tuning guitars available, you know, at hand. Yeah. But. Cause, cause we're still playing some songs from shooting SARS. So, um, but yeah, we just, uh, we, it's, I, I, I keep getting told by Isaac, like just hurry up and make another guitar. So we don't have to be so stressed out all the time. But what he doesn't know is that it's actually really annoying and I don't <laughs> like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> understandable emoji b yeah. interesting <laughs> yeah 
yeah that, that, so that maybe I, I even i'd even consider just paying someone to do it um but the thing is every guitar luthier doesn't want to do it because they think that i'm going to bring shame to their name by like having them make a microtonal guitar like i've i've asked like three or four luthiers and they're just like ah oh, man i can't i can't put my name to that you know like why not i have no idea are you I scared think dog is a <laughs> yeah what are you scared of man you know like king gizzard are like one of the biggest australian exports like why are you afraid of microtonal music they do it too oh i did not know that that's that's com- yeah i'm a little more compelled to investigate okay. them, perhaps yeah what's their microtonal release uh it's called flying microtonal banana okay and i think they did a few more kind of microtonal songs here and there <laughs> So I got, yeah, now I got to ask you, is the the banana plane on the cover of Shooting Sars a subtle reference to King Gizzard? Ooh, I don't think so. I think I think that was just our artist, Jamesy, taking some um, liberties. But yeah, that art is incredible, by the way. I, I, oh. I, I, it's got a lot to uh, a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to see the gigantic version? Yeah, I would love to. Please. I saw you just looking up there. Oh, that's beautiful. Love it. I love that cover. It just pops. Yeah, he, he did a good job. So can we talk about the... Specifically, I want to talk about that character that's on the monitor. So during the the production process of this album, we we had to change the uh, the character. What what what, ha- what happened yeah. there? <laughs> um, so it, it probably would have been fine, but I got a bit antsy about it. So um, it's it's a character from a video game called Cruelty Squad. And it's a great game. I highly recommend it. And um, Jamesy put the character on. And then right before the record went to print, I was like, hey, man, like, did, did we get permissions for this? And he's like, nah, nah, we didn't. And I was like, oh, well, I don't want to get in trouble. So maybe we should just change it. Yeah, just <laughs> discretion is probably the good idea there. <laughs> yeah. Playing um, it safe for sure. Honestly, the, yeah. the, the it's such like a minor... There's a minor component of the cover. I think it still turned out great. Yeah. So he, he changed it to a guy that, um, like a little character I made on Blender ages ago. Um, <laughs> just a little, little fella. <laughs> just a little yeah. guy. Just a little yeah, guy. little guy. Yeah. Yes. So what's your favorite record? Uh, what's your favorite song on the record to play? Um, probably to play live is by Curious George. Um, I think like that was always a bit of a favorite for us because it's just really noodly and fun. I can see that too, especially with that like yeah. um, the, the Dillinger Escape Plan esque sort of bridge it has, and the yeah. the, the Gwen Stefani reference is, is sure to be a crowd pleaser yeah. live. <laughs> as much as it sort of makes me, yeah. I, I love the song. It kind of makes me roll my eyes. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna keep it 100 uh, with you, it, but no, no, I, I 100% feel the same way. I'm and sure that I, it's probably really, really do. It's probably like lost some sort of relevance when you perform the song so many times. Inevitably, too, is the other part of that. But yeah, yeah, because it's like, like when we when we did it, like we were so young. Like we we wrote this song and we were like so young, and it was just like a way of kind of like being funny and connecting with an audience. And now it's like it's on like a record, you know. It's like a bigger thing, and it's like it has a very different kind of context to it now, but. Playing it live, it would always be the thing that, like, people in the audience who would just be kind of folding their arms in the corner, like, oh, this this band is alienating and difficult. And then suddenly we'd do that, and they'd be like, 
I know Gwen Stefani. This is funny. <laughs> and and suddenly they'd all run in and it was gotcha. like people Gotcha, dancing bitches, gotcha. And... Yeah, do you make yeah. that like is that Sorry. like part of your is it like your set list opener by any chance or No, our, our opener is um Sun is smiling. That I mean, checks out. That's invigorating, yeah. so I, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's like I think we've always tried to do that and sometimes it can translate on a record, but other times it's yeah, I mean, when it's for a mathcore audience, they don't really need that sort of like, um, they don't really need to be invited into the record in that way because they're just sort of like, oh, well, like I sat down to listen to a Basil's Kite record. Like I'm I, I'm across what mathcore is, but yeah, before, performing it live, it would do a lot of tricks. So you sort of feel, you sort of feel like disconnected from some of the, the themes on some of these songs and just given that some of them are a, a bit older. Yeah, a, a, a little, but it's like, I sort of, I, I, I warmly reflect on, on, on a lot of it. Like, I think it's, um, I, I think, I think it got the release that it deserved and I think it got the production level it deserved. And, um, but yeah, like, yeah, they, they just are kind of, I, I guess probably, the newest theme is Backvark because that was yourself who encouraged me to put some lyrics on that one. And I'm nice. so happy that I did because I, th- I think that ended up being one of the best songs on the record. And like the lyrics are great. The vocal patterns that you applied to that are just were, were better than I could have hoped for. Honestly, it turned out, oh, thanks. turned out spectacular. Honestly, one of the best songs on the record. Yeah. It's funny. It spent six years, um, instrumental. And then, um, and then, yeah. Do you perform it live now with vocals then or? I do. Yeah. Awesome. It's hard. I figured <laughs> it's I was really like, hard, I was like, he's going to have a fucking heyday with this one. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. Though. I'm, kudos yeah, by the way. So just noodly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> kudos to just having that ability to multitask on doing vocals and guitar. And some, oh my God, dude. I mean, the arrangements are, are no fucking joke. Like Basil's, you, you guys bring it like very, it's, it's all te- very technical and unpredictable. And um, yeah, it's not less like you can listen to it and like get it on the first listen, like be able to come back with yeah. those patterns anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the playing and singing thing is hard and it just got harder when Jacob left because <coughs> we were one singer down, but yeah. So Esteban um, doesn't handle any sort of vocal duties live then. Uh, he is he, he does like some backings with Isaac. Um but yeah, it's 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 a lot less kind of forefront as that Jacob was. Less forefront than Jacob was. Yeah, well I guess um I guess I'm pretty much out of questions here. Jack man, really fucking good having you on the podcast finally. For two I, days in a row. Yeah. For, <laughs> yeah. It, look, it's it's been it's been great to hang out and you know, despite the various technical difficulties. Uh, I think we pulled through and the chemistry was insane. <laughs> no, Definitely. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> you, you, you've been a great guest, man. We really appreciate it. And just like, just, uh, your oh, effort you. to wake up and, uh, with your coffee, deal with our voices and coming yeah. at you like this shit, man. You know? <laughs> no, yeah. it's, it's great. I, I live, I live for this stuff. I live for this stuff. It's awesome. Hopefully we can, uh, hopefully we can all be in a room together at some point. Oh, um, I kind of know that that there, you, we might be hanging out soon. I yeah, can't, I can't yeah. reveal the other I am part of that. To the States. Hell yeah, dog. Um, I'm looking forward to that. For no reason. No reason at all. I just no, wanna, no I special just reason. Eat a hot dog or something. <laughs> I'm, what, I'm, what do you do when you're in America? Eat a hot dog? Uh, you eat a hamburger. Oh, no. Yo. A hamburger? Yeah. Uh, all right, yo. I'm going to continue this for a second. Uh, you eat a I pizza just, burger. 
my homie that just came here, he brought me a shirt. And on this shirt uh, from Australia, uh, he informed me about a sausage sizzle. Ah, nice. Yep, that is a so, that is a classic Australian yeah, thing to eat. But Jack, ain't that a hot dog? It's not a hot dog. Explain How to Christian what, a, what what's a sausage <laughs> sausage sizzle. I'm actually not familiar with this term. Uh, just it's, with the hot it's, dog. it's it's just a it's just a it's it's a it's a sausage on a piece of bread, but not a hot dog bun. <laughs> okay, it's a piece yeah. of like triangular like white bread, basically. Correct. Yeah, yeah, because it's just like a well, it, yeah, it's like a square you fold into like a you fold it over the. It's a hot, hot dog, dog with it, Wonder Bread. It's basically like a poor man's. Let the man hunt. speak. <laughs> so it's just, no, I, I think you've you've got it. It's, okay. Yeah, it but a bit listen, of an Australian pastime. My, my friend that was here from Australia, he did the same thing. He's like, well, no, you know, it's just it's like it's like it's like <laughs> no, it sounds like it's fucking white bread with <laughs> like a hot dog. But all right, yeah. But uh, anyways, yeah, uh, it, uh, sign me up with those things. Sausage sizzle. This mm-hmm. is my first. It, it, it's like um, the, maybe a fun fact for you guys. It's like the sausage sizzle is inextricably tied in with voting in Australia. So in Australia, when you go and vote, um, which is mandatory here, we have to, or we don't have to, uh, we we get to uh, eat a sausage. Oh, so dude, very classic. Jack, Jack, my shirt, my shirt is a hand holding the sausage sizzle. And on top, it says democracy has never tasted so good. Now this makes oh. more sense of why that. I like I, how he gave yeah. you the shirt and they did not explain to you at no, no, all what it No, meant. no, no. He told me what the sausage sizzle was. <laughs> he just was, forgot. He was, no, 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 not, not the democracy thing. Okay. No, no, no. I just had a political so component. Funny. Yeah, yeah, no, no. He was just like, like, I'm going to give this shirt to Levi and make uh, him look like a fool and not understand when he, someone asks him. He, uh, he. Someone in Australia and they're like asking you about it. And you're like, oh, I. Uh, democracy? No, no, no. But like, he's like, he's basically just like, he's like, he's like, it's tradition, man. He's like, no matter who talked to in Australia, he's like sausage sizzle. Mm. They're like, yeah, sausage sizzle. It's just like, okay, mm. yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it, it's it's a great kind of uh, what's the word? It's sort of, um, it kind of de-intensifies the like the political energy of going to a voting booth where everyone's trying to hand you out stuff and you're just like, oh, screw you, like I don't want to, I don't want to vote for your conservative party or whatever, and then you like. And then you just and then you go and eat and eat a sausage together and it's just nice. Yeah. Um, and then and, then and then you're all like brothers and sisters. Right, you bond over food. <laughs> is there something a, very universal, right? Is there a traditional yeah. condiment we put on the sausage sizzle? Oh, you know what? It's choose your own adventure. It could be anything. It could be mustard, tomato sauce, barbecue, whatever you want. It's uh all all all, all the all the different all, all all the different colors of the world, all the different people. I love it. You can pick whatever you want. What's really a unifying food then? Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. It's so important to us. <laughs> uh, Jack, I, I, not, I'm going to put this in the description, like the... Sausage the, sizzle. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, talked with yeah. Jack about sausage sizzles and um, yo, but, uh, Australian democracy. I, I learned a lot today, and uh, yep, that, that's amazing, man. Thank you. That's my, I'm not, now I'm done with questions. We'll take two. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad to give you some context on your shirt. That's a that's a great gift that you received from your Melbourne friend. Yeah, that's dude. A, he, yeah, he was the shit there, man. It definitely. It, yeah. it, 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 now now it means a lot more because I just it just like mm. democracy. I'm like, what the fuck is going on with the? But yep. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have a Bundaberg rum shirt that I would wear all the time. Speaking of oh, Australian really? shirts, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah Bundaberg rum is kind of like um, kind of like a bogan redneck drink. In a, in a way, mm. um, I, I gleaned yeah. that. You, well, you're white <laughs> yeah. trash Christian, so that sounds about right. That's good. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I, I don't like Bundies. We we call them Bundies. 
be you. I don't like rednecks either. Yes. In all seriousness, yeah, all seriousness for sure. I, I grew up in a very like redneck ass town though, so. Oh really? I, I'm with yeah. you there. Yeah. 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 Don't like a Bundy. Yes. Fuck rednecks. This is turned into a yeah. fuck redneck. Yeah, everybody. That's how we're going to end it. Yeah. <laughs> fuck rednecks. Yeah. So did you not grow up in Wollongong then? You grew up somewhere else, I take it? Or? Uh, I grew up a little bit south of Wollongong um, in a small town on the coast. Um, yeah, it's yeah, basically Wollongong. But What brought know, you out to Wollongong then? then? Uh, you just kind of get bored, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you had a similar experience. Um, yeah. You just kind of get a bit tired of small town i moved from what was a very small town to a, a, a sort of a slightly larger town and then i finally moved to a city so it was a you know yeah you just sort of slowly keep searching for more and more things to do yeah exactly well shit um cool. again jack thank you so much for joining us man so Everyone, go listen to Basil's Kite's new album, Shooting Stars, which is out now via our affiliate label, Dark Trail Records. <laughs> Air horn. Yep. Yeah. And we have, naturally. And, uh, and, and, and look, if you want to, um, if you want to, if you like the sound of my voice and want to listen to me talk more smack, I got a podcast called Music Rules, and in it we we cover music in a very uh, and oh, kind of semi-analytical way. While I was saying that, I realized I already plugged it earlier in the episode. But All that good. was yesterday. So. This is your time to plug it again, for sure. I was sure. going to say, plug that shit again. I, I'm going to tell you right yeah. now that I am a listener of the podcast and I'm enjoying Music Rules quite a bit. And they do go into like some very analytical detail on certain songs from Shooting Stars, if you want to go listen to that episode four yeah. of Music Rules. It covers that. But yeah, Jack, is there anything else that you'd like to plug? Any uh, any Basils-related stuff? Uh, any um, any shows coming up you want to talk really. about? Yeah, like just just listen to our record. We're really proud of it, and really stoked with the fantastic release that um, Christian and Dark Trail gave for us. So, yeah, my come and have a listen, and hopefully, see you down under. <laughs> I throw another shrimp on the map. Man, he said it. They're just like what do you think does they anyone, are, man? I gotta ask you: Does anyone uh, say that shit anymore? Is that just, just like? Uh, uh, you, you know, it's sort of like. I don't know. Probably just when we're hanging out with Americans. There's Super a bit, ironically. A bit of pantomime going on. Right. I, don't, I don't mind being a stereotype in my own country. It's, it's fun. Well, if the stereotype for, you know, barbecuing and being friendly, I don't want to fucking... I don't want to yeah. say that's a bad stereotype, but, you know, no, it's, it's pretty, pretty great. <laughs> you also... I, I understand Foster's doesn't exist there, but here we think it's your, no, it your beverage of choice. Yeah, yeah no... I, I wouldn't mind trying it actually. But Foster's is not a sponsor for beer. He hasn't tried it. It's, it's, no, no, it's never. It's not. Doesn't. It's not there. He hasn't even tried it. Yeah, that's clearly not. Uh, hey, hey, tried it. hey, Jack. I don't. I don't want to spoil it. It's dog shit. Ah, oh, I'm not surprised at all. Well, but I can also imagine people drinking it being like, oh, I guess it's the taste of Australia. I'm an Australian. Look at me. Yeah, I'm an Australian. Me, that's what Americans do. So, on the next episode of this podcast, we'll be talking about our class action lawsuit for. False advertisement against everybody. Fosters. Yeah, yeah. Against Foster's Corporation. That's the biggest case of false advertisement since the never-ending story. <laughs> and with that, I'm we're glad. Gonna, yeah. And leave on a high note, George Costanza. This. So again, Jack, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you. Thanks, Christian. Thanks, Levi. Hell yeah. So I guess that about wraps it up for the 98th episode of Mathcast. I'm your host, Christian, and I'm your co-host, Levi. And I'm Jack. 
And we'll be back again in a couple weeks with Jack, some more. Jack, 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 no. Jack. <laughs> with some more sick underground bands. We've been doing that to him every single time we've logged on. <laughs> Good night and stay beautiful.